for he is holy. Good morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. I'm Phil Jackson, one of the elders here at Preston Crest, and it's great to see all of your faces here this morning. We are glad that you are here, especially if you are a visitor. We ask that you uh, would, would check in. There's a card uh, on that pew back in front of you with instructions on how you can check in with us, uh, as well as our regular members. We ask everyone to check in. Uh, you can You'll see the information behind me, the number uh, that you can text. We ask that you do that. That's important for us. If you're a first-time visitor, we have a special gift for you out in our welcome center, uh, just for you, thanking you for being here. Uh, and we will again ask you to fill out that, that card that's in front of you and take it back there. Just a couple of, of celebrations as we get started. Last week, we had our chili supper. Uh, and what a great event. Uh, that was very nice. I saw that uh, uh, Brian Hurst was the winner. He said he'll be serving us chili this afternoon for the ball game. No, that's not true. He won't be. <clears throat> it was a great event. We, uh, we enjoyed that. Uh, also, yesterday was the men's breakfast. Uh, and, and what a great turnout. I was talking to John Scott. Uh, we had well over 150 men. Uh, a huge, huge turnout. So thank you so much. Obviously, uh, we enjoy getting together to hear God's word and to fellowship, uh, and we're so grateful. As we, as we worship this morning, hear the words of the Lord from Psalms 29. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Our Lord, you are good. You are definitely here in this place. Not only can we feel the presence of your spirit that you have placed in our hearts, but we can see you in the faces of the fellowship of believers you have given us. Your blessings are evident. We lack the words to show our full appreciation. But this morning, we take this time to honor you as our sovereign king. You are worthy of our praise and adoration. You provide us with 
the blessings of a life full of purpose and joy and hope, all these can only be found in you. Even in times of distress, Lord, which, which many in our congregation are going through, your name is glorified in the example of a life well lived and the opportunities of service that demonstrate your grace and love. So, Lord, accept our songs of praise to the King, our prayers of adoration and surrender, and the words of encouragement to live a humble life in your service and to your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Thank you, Phil. All right, church, let's stand and let's sing this morning. Hosanna, you're my king. I worship and I Yeah. 
sing, please? We're going to sing one more song as we enter into this time of communion this morning. And then Matt Armstrong is going to come and lead us around the bread and around the cup. I am Good morning. It's good to see everyone here today. Uh, in our Connections class, and I hope all of you are part of one, we're talking about the humanity of Jesus. Uh, it's a fascinating study about Jesus being all God and, and also Jesus being all human, being a man. Uh, so today I thought I would share with you a verse or a, a lot of verses in, in Luke chapter 22 about a specific instance where Jesus's humanity was very present. So uh, Luke 22, starting in verse 1. Um, Now the feast of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching and the chief priests and teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve, and Judas went to the chief priests and officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he may betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb was to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? they asked. And he replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. So here's the situation setting up for the last supper or the last Passover that Jesus would have with his disciples. In verse 14, now, then the hour came that Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. So I want you to understand the scene. Understand like you and I would have with our family and friends uh, at Christmas or at Thanksgiving. Here is Jesus with the 12. And so these are the 12 uh, from Matthew 10. Uh, these are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas, 
Iscariot who would betray him. So quite a plethora of men of different backgrounds sitting at the table with Jesus. <clears throat> so as they reclined in verse 15, he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you that I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Please bow with me. Father God, thank you so much for Jesus and for his sacrifice, Lord, and, and for the ability for us to commune with each other in him on a weekly basis. Lord, bless the, the cup or the, the bread, the unleavened bread that we're about to partake of and let it remind us of his body that was sacrificed on the cross for our sins. In his name we pray, amen. Please bow with me again. Father God, again, we come to you and, and give thanks for Jesus' sacrifice as the, as the atonement blood sacrifice. Lord, as we partake of this cup, let it be pleasing to you and remindful of us of the actual sacrifice that he made of his physical body for our sins. And in his name we pray, amen. As the mountains
Again, so glad that you are here. If you're visiting with us, we're especially glad that you have honored us with your presence today. For those of you that want to give this morning, you know the drill. You can give on church teams. You can give through the website. You can drop a check or some money in the box out in the foyer. So much good work happens here because of your generosity, and we are all grateful for that. And what a cool opportunity to just say yes to Jesus and join in his work. Of course, right now there's been a lot of focus on the evangelism conference that's coming up, and we are inviting everyone to be here, and I am confident we're going to have a huge crowd here. It's going to be terrific. And so right now, as we turn our focus uh, to talking to the Lord in prayer, let's, let's, invite, let's invite God to be part of this conference, if you would bow with me. Lord, we are, in your name, inviting so many folks to come and join us and to learn and get equipped and, and get motivated and and just excited about sharing. Uh, but really, this is your conference. This is your story. And these are people in your world that you love and you want them to know the gospel and give their lives to you. And so I pray, God, that you will be our honored guest, that you will be our featured keynote, God, that you will work through every word, through every gesture, through every interaction, so that hearts may be open to you our hearts to join you in your work, but hearts around us in our mission field just opened up to receive the gospel of Christ. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for the cross, Lord. We live in a very busy society. So many different things and obligations and responsibilities compete for our time. And you may be wondering, is this conference worth my time? We want you to know that we believe your presence at this conference is a gift and it's a sacrifice. So I'd like to remind you of just a few reasons why telling the story will be worth your time. Incredible teaching, edification from Christians around the country who care about growing the kingdom, celebrating the ministry and partnership that we have with God through His grace, learning and dreaming together, child care is provided, babes chicken, Remembering why it is such a blessing to be a Christian and a commitment to bringing others into the saving and loving arms of Jesus. I promise you that this will be worth your time. You won't regret attending this conference. Again, we encourage you to go to pressandcrest.org backslash story to learn more and to register. And we hope to see you February 3rd through the 5th 2023 here at the Preston Crest Church of Christ for Telling the Story Church Growth and Evangelism Conference. All right, church, I am not a critical person, but I've got a criticism about that video. Uh, Robert, great job up until now producing those videos. And Jacob, Babe's Chicken. I would have made that huge type and made it be blinking red <laughs> if ever there was a reason to come to this conference. That's it. Yeah, you got me, Jackman. He's with me. All right, hey, uh, if you are registering for the conference, uh, yeah, World Care next Sunday, but uh, this Sunday is the last Sunday to sign up for child care. So if you're part of the conference, today's the last day we can get you registered for child care. So please take care of that by the end of the day. Next Sunday is a fifth Sunday. It's going to be World Care Sunday. So please make plans to, uh, to give to that. We'll have a, a special word about that next Sunday as you're preparing to give. All right. We also have a quilt in the foyer for Dana Freeman. She is the wife of Paris Freeman. Paris grew up in this church, and they are a vital, loving part of this community. So please stop by that table, tie a knot in that quilt, and take the name of Dana Freeman with you this week and take her before the Father, if you don't mind, please. Church, let's stand. We're going to send, send kids on up to Children's Church. We're going to sing one more, and then Gordon's going to come back up and share with us a little bit this morning. Hallelujah, praise the Lord.
Amen. Yes. Yes. Boy, that, that men's breakfast bill was, <laughs> that was something yesterday. Um, I think we need to do less announcing next time because it was insane around here. It was so amazing. Um, we had so many guys show up, people bringing their neighbors and their friends. And it was, I've never, I don't know that I've seen the fellowship hall that packed. And it was a beautiful thing. You know, we bought enough food for way more than we thought would be here. And we only had half the food we really needed. So, I mean, that's what it was. I was saying we had 150, but I heard it was 162 was the official count. It was amazing. And then I put the pieces together. We had eggs here yesterday. <laughs> eggs are the caviar of 2023. Yeah, I, I, forget Babe's Chicken. Babe's Chicken is fine. We need to give out a, have a drawing, a raffle maybe for a carton of eggs at this conference. People will show up. I mean, I bet, I bet everyone in this room has come home within the last month and said, guess how much these eggs were? Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, let me tell you about Together Forever, one of the greatest ministries of this church in terms of just practically helping people. If you are seriously dating, you're in one of those serious relationships, if you're engaged, you need to be part of this. And people are already signing up for this, so make sure you get your spot. Um, there is teaching, there is mentoring, there is uh, meeting with an LPC, there is uh, a counselor, there, there are people of the couples in this church that have practical knowledge that are going to come in and address different topics. It's a lot of fun. It's registered with the state of Texas. This deal has it all. And my only sadness about this is truly, I wish it was around when Isla and I were engaged 30 years ago because this is so good. Gary is over here. Wave your hand. So there he is. Because last week, a couple came up to me and said, we want to know more. There he is. He's got the answers. Uh, Gary Cohorn, this is so good. Please be part of this. And it's starting soon, February the 12th. So you want to get in on this now and make sure you got your spot. Welcome, welcome back to Walking in Wisdom. We started last week with this series of we want to grow into wisdom. Who doesn't, you know? And to help us think about it, Brian McCracken wrote, wrote this book, The Wisdom Pyramid, and he came up with this really helpful, kind of based on the idea of the, the nutritional food pyramid, how we need different food groups to be healthy, our bodies, well, we need to, to dine from these different wisdom groups in terms of our minds. Uh, and of course, the baseline, the foundation of this is the Bible. It's the Word of God. But we can learn from, we can learn from nature. We can learn from the church. We can learn from books and literature, art and music. We can learn even from the internet. The problem is, of course, we flip that pyramid upside down, so many people to do, and they rarely open their Bible. But they are on their Instagram all the time. And so we're getting all of this information that's less reliable, that's less trustworthy. And hey, on that buffet, there may be nutritional value in every single dish, but not everything is an entree. Not everything is the building block of a healthy diet. And so we talked last week about the Word of God is that foundation, that building block. And today we're going to turn to the church community to the people of God, the body of Christ. And in a world where we are bombarded by what is sinful, by what is sensational, by what is selfish, we need this orientation that we get as a family of believers. And God set this up to be a wisdom community for us. When we moved overseas, I know you get a lot of stories from Brazil. Those are the stories I got. Uh, but we moved, and you haven't heard this one before. We're there. We're looking for an apartment. The members on our team are looking for apartments. And we had wise Brazilian guides who were helping us search for an apartment in Brazil. And one of the pearls of wisdom that they gave us, and it was invaluable, was you want to end up in an old apartment building. Okay? 
The new ones are shiny. The new ones have cool branding and names, have manicured landscaping, have beautiful tile, have fresh paint on them. The old ones look a little faded, stuff maybe chipping. A couple of tiles have fallen off. But here's the thing. You step into the new one, and we did step into some new ones. We looked at some new ones. The kitchen is like cramped. The bedrooms are tiny. You step in one of those old buildings in Rio, Ooh, you can breathe. This could be home. And oftentimes, the building on the outside doesn't look so fantastic, but you step through the door in the apartment, there's this crown molding, there's this marble and this granite, gorgeous inside, right? And spacious, three bedrooms, maids' quarters, beautiful. And so we learned, you know, don't judge it, right, from the outside of the building. You want to be in one of those old apartment buildings. And it made me think this week about the church because first glance, maybe from the outside, it looks a little dated. It looks a little worn. Um, It doesn't look as fresh as some other things around us. But it's beautiful on the inside. We don't all dress, you know, necessarily according to what's cool, what's in style. No, that's not what makes it beautiful. We don't all we don't all sing like John Scott. We don't all sing on key. Uh, we have an interesting collection of personalities, of political views. Uh, we have old, we have young, we have married, we have single, we have employed, we have unemployed. We have all kinds of people here. Fellowship Hall smells a little funny sometimes. The coffee is a little bit cold sometimes. But here's the thing. You may miss from the street. This place, the church, is a one-of-a-kind rare beauty. And it may not always seem like a beauty. There are some abrasive personalities. We have, the, we have a couple of gossips here at Preston Crest. We have some quarrels here. Uh, maybe not every member can, can articulate their faith all that well, but it is a one-of-a-kind community where we were designed by Jesus to flourish and to grow. It is a place, Hebrews 12, 24, 10, 24, where we stir each other up to love and good works. I like that. We're stirring each other up to love and good works. The scriptures declare in Ephesians, the church is the radiant bride of Christ. Chapter 5, verse 27. It is a spiritual house made with living stones, stones with a pulse. 1 Peter 2, 5. It is a buttress of truth. 1 Timothy 3, 15. More than 30 times New Testaments refer to the local church as beloved. And so the church is precious to us because the church is precious to him. It's his bride. It's his body. Uh, We love the church because he does. We love the church because we have a common story. We love the church because all of us are sinners who have found our redemption in Jesus. We love the church because of the wisdom of the saints who surround us. And so the church with its metaphorical facade from the 1980s Okay, it's exactly where I need to be. It's exactly where you need to be, where we flourish, where we grow wise, where we experience Christ in his fullness. A couple of years ago, Megan Hill wrote a book called A Place to Belong, and it is all about the local church. And here is something she says to believers. She says, Dear Christian, do you want to experience the fullness of Christ? Belong to the church. Use your gifts where he sets you. Exhort, serve, give, show mercy. Work alongside his people for the common good. And then in the unassuming surroundings of the fellowship hall or the church basement or the aisles between the pews, you will know firsthand the fullness of Christ. In fact, you cannot experience it any other way. Come, take your place. And I would say that to you as a personal welcome. If you are looking for a church home, come and take your place. Now, this is interesting, I think, because the text this morning, what we're going to study this morning, was written by a bona fide 
church hater. It was written by someone who saw the church and said, hard pass, not interested. Talking about the Apostle Paul. Of course, he changed his tune. And I think he brings a unique perspective on why we need to be together, why we need to belong to each other in the church of God. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, 14 to 16. He's talking to the local church in Ephesus about the local church in Ephesus, but it has something to say to us as well. He says, we, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown by every new wind or wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Maybe a phishing email or scam or something. <laughs> Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I love that passage. I love what it tells us about the body of Christ, the church. And so we're going to leave it up there and we're just going to kind of shine a light on a few of the ideas that this former church hater has to say about the beauty of the body of Christ once you get in there. And the first thing he starts talking about is, is this immaturity issue. We get together so that we won't be immature like children. We love children. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven belongs to little ones, but children are not the wisest people. That's not what is praised in Scripture. Children are the ones who believe that the tooth fairy exists, right? Children are the ones who believe if they cover themselves up with the blanket, they have protection from the monster. They believe there is a monster or monsters in the closet, under the bed, wherever. Children believe all sorts of things, and that is part of their immaturity. I was thinking this week as I'm writing this about my childhood years, and I only know this story because my parents have told it to me. Grandparents lived in Memphis. I was two to three. I was on the verge of being potty trained. It was a big moment for mom and dad. Their, their last kid, their youngest, just right there. We go and visit the grandparents in Memphis, and all of a sudden, I'm walking around with wet pants all the time. What's going on? What's going on? And you know, little kids, they're kind of hard to understand, and their words don't necessarily, and they're like trying to, because I'm telling them what's going on, and they're like, I don't understand. And finally, they figured out, I was saying, there are Eskimos in the potty. Then they had to decipher, and there was much discussion, what does he mean? Finally, they realized there was, this, there was this deodorizer in the one toilet in my grandparents' house that was white and shaped like an igloo. Okay? When you flush it, the water goes over it, and it makes things smell a little bit better. I believed there were Eskimos in the potty. Those are the kinds of things that we believe when we're tiny people. They're cute, they're funny, but we want to grow out of those things, right? And Paul says the church is a place where we grow out of immaturity. We go from green to grown, from immature to mature. And he uses this image here. I mean, it could be 2023. Paul could be writing this today about all of the wind that's blowing around, things that sound true, that sound clever. I mean, this sounds like the internet age to a T. And he says, be careful because with all of this stuff going around you that may sound true or smart, you can get blown off course. He imagines waves, you know, like a leaf on a wave. It's going up, it's going down, it's going here, it's going there. And he says, be careful with that. In the church, we have this kind of protection against that um, because in the information you know, windstorm of notifications and updates and trivial information, important information, useful information, useless information. It's just constantly hitting us. We need to be grounded in this community. We need to have the directionality of being together in this. And, and Paul says, you know, 
when you're in community, you can weather the storm, you can be rooted, you can be grounded, um, you can discern what is true and false. The church helps with that. So the church is kind of this antidote to the information toxins that are constantly assaulting our senses in our day and time. And so in the church, we love each other, we speak the truth, so we speak the truth in love, and we help, like we talked about a week ago, we help our brothers and sisters put on their actual reality glasses. We help correct those, those prescriptions so that our brothers and sisters can see clearly. We're getting advice and help, whether it's young couples in Together Forever, whether it's, you know, from a wise, older, seasoned Christian, hey, help me out with this. Um, we're getting this orientation all the time. We're grounded. We're together. And it's so important, Paul says. And it's not just a Look, the church is not a fact-checking organization. At least that's not our primary mission. But we've got this direction. And what is it? Paul says it's to help each grow into the image of Christ. There is something that we are about. And it is helping each person find their fullness, who they really are, and their ultimate potential in Jesus. That is what we are doing as a body of believers. Um, not a cookie-cutter community. We talk about growing in the image of Jesus. It's not like we're trying to get everybody to be exactly the same. God made you with your personality, with your gifts and talents, with your resources, with your opportunities that you have. But as Paul talks about, Jesus in the church puts us together perfectly. Takes all of these different parts and Jesus puts us together. I love that line, you know, like as each part does its own special work. You have your work. I have my work. And when everyone does it, Jesus just puts us together. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But here's the deal. It only happens when we live in community. Paul, throughout that passage, is like, we, 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 we. It's us. It's together being the church. So, Christ is at work here. I mean, this is his bride. This is his body. This is his church. He is at work here. We are not all the same. That's okay. But Jesus inhabits this community. Um, and if you are on the outside, if you are disconnected, if you are inactive, whatever adjective you want to put in there, you are missing out. That's from our former church hater, the Apostle Paul. You need to be in community. Ephesians 3.10, here's the interesting thing. God is going to billboard his wisdom for the world through the church. Ephesians 3.10, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in every way. So in a, in a sense, we are God's wisdom on display for the world. And yeah, the world has changed a lot in the past 2,000 years. And it is changing faster and faster and faster all of the time. But it's so interesting as we go back to Scripture and we read these ancient stories of our sisters and brothers that have gone before the core activities of the church haven't changed, I would say, at all. I mean, maybe in form they've changed, but the activities themselves have not changed. Let's rewind all the way back. Day one, Acts chapter two, our historian, medical doctor named Luke, is describing what those first Christians were doing in that first church there in Jerusalem. And he says, Acts 2.42, here's what they were doing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We have done each of those things here today. You may not have thought about it like that. We have been studying the words of the Apostle Paul. This morning, we've been devoted to the teaching of the apostles. We have, we've talked about Peter and what he wrote, a buttress of the truth. We have, we have fellowshiped together. We've broken bread together. We have prayed for each other. We're doing the same things, right? 
The core business of the church hasn't changed a lick. And here, you know, Preston Crescent, we're so blessed. They had apostles there in Jerusalem. We have shepherds here at Preston Crest that keep watch over the flock, that care for us, that pray for us, that sacrifice their time and energy to serve this body of believers. The shepherds, uh, one of the functions, they're like guardrails, you know, theologically keeping us on track so no one is racing off the side of the cliff. And I'll tell you what. It's no fun being in church leadership when you're functioning as a complaint department. So let's not complain. Let's commend our shepherds. Let's pat them on the Give a shepherd a hug today. They need it. Because we're actually told in Hebrews chapter 13 that we are supposed to make their job a joy and not a burden. And when all we do is nag and come, I didn't like this, I don't like that, their job isn't a lot of fun. We need them, and we need them to be joyful, spirit-led. Um, so let's help them with that by giving them a pat on the back. Something that has been a part of church life, of this community life since the first century, and it is vastly underappreciated. And the older I get, the more I'm like, that is genius. Here it is. The church is a place, and it may be the only place for you, but it is the place you don't get your way. And if you want to grow wise, you need this place where you don't get your way. Uh, we all do. And I think that is part of the genius of Christ's church. I mean, the songs that we sing, there is a decent chance that you loved some of them today. And maybe there were a couple you don't like so much. But you sang them because you love the sister or brother sitting next to you that does love that song. You know? This may be TMI. <clears throat> I love that chili cook-off last week. Oh, so good. Enjoyed it so much. There were like, I don't know, 35 chilies here. I think I tasted every chili in the building. Some of them weren't great. I'm just being, speak the truth in love. But I ate it because you are great and you made that chili. And I enjoyed eating that chili you made even if I didn't enjoy the chili that much. I mean, I, I like chili with beans, but I actually made the sacrifice and I ate some non-bean chili last week because you made it. Oh boy. Maybe I shouldn't say this either, but about 50% of the coffee at Preston Crest is not good, but I drink it. You brewed it. It's okay. It's a little weak for me. It's a little cold, but I drink it. And this is the genius, honestly, of what God has done in making the church. Um, it is what helps us grow in love, in wisdom, in maturity. If I get everything exactly the way I want it, I don't grow in love. I don't grow in maturity. I don't grow wise. And, you know, you know this, I know this. We live in an individualistic age. I mean, we get to listen to the music that we like and only the music we like. I don't like a, so a song on Spotify. Skip it, right? Amazon Music, I skip it. Um, I get to order the food that I want, and I can even have it show up at my door in, in 30 minutes. I mean, we get exactly what we want these days. We live in individualistic bubbles. It's kind of nice sometimes, but it doesn't make us wise. Being involved in a church fellowship can be challenging. I promise you it will be challenging, uh, but it's exactly the kind of challenging you need to grow. Going it alone is not a path to wisdom. Listen to what Brett McCracken said in his book. In an age, and this is a good phrase, an age of nauseating narcissism. By the way, he's talking about now. <laughs> in this age of nauseating narcissism where everyone clamors for stardom and Instagram likes, the church humbles us and reminds us, this ain't about you. This is about God. You are welcome here. You are wanted. 
Your presence in the body is important. You are part of this story, but God is the star, not you. What a freeing and wonderful thing. And I would say, folks, last week we talked about the Bible. This week we're talking about the church. They are absolutely related to each other. You were not designed to interpret and understand the Bible on your own. I hear people talk romantically about it's just me and my Bible, me and Jesus. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. We see in Acts chapter 2, the family of God is together unpacking the apostles' teaching. We see uh, Lydia in Philippi with her ladies' prayer group talking about the things of God in community. We see Paul writing to the Ephesians who are discovering God's truth in community. The me and Jesus approach to Christianity is not biblical, biblical and frankly, it's just a reflection of our narcissistic, self-centered, individualistic age. It works against wisdom. It doesn't work for it. So newsflash, <laughs> Paul says this, Jesus put us together. Jesus makes us fit even though we are different, and it's genius because here in the local church, we are set free from the bubble of self, free to grow, free to be more like Jesus, to grow up into Christ. You did not pick these people. God did, and it's genius. Last week, a couple came up to me after church, all smiles. They had been participating with us virtually since the pandemic kicked off, and they had kind of gotten in this rut of just doing church from home. And I had said, so, I don't know what I said. They said I said something. that uh, I said, hey, if you're still sitting at home and you can get here, you need to get here, something like that. And they were so glad they showed up. They were like, yes, this is what we've been lacking. Um, and that's interesting, isn't it? I, I'm so glad we have the virtual component. And I even got an email this morning from some members that they just because of health reasons need to be at home. I'm glad we have that. But we, we got to understand you are missing something if you're not here. And I just look at the ministry of Jesus, right? Jesus, was his ministry to people, was it virtual <laughs> or was it face-to-face? You got Jesus doing everything from cooking breakfast for his friends, walking literally down the road with his friends, like on the road to Emmaus, those disciples. You got Jesus uh, attending parties in people's homes. You got Jesus praying with people, over people. You got Jesus touching people, hugging people. You got Jesus just in a very face-to-face, real-life kind of way, um, being with his people. And I think we need that. And if you can't be here, we get it. If you can be here, we don't get it. (laughs) You need to be here. Okay? And so we, from the outside, you know, the church, uh, we may look, I don't know, a little outdated. Exterior's a little bit worn. But step in and you'll find it's gorgeous in here. This is the bride of Christ. And you were made to, thir- to flourish here in his church. Maybe today you just want to know more about being part of his church. We'd love to talk with you about membership at Preston Crest. If you have a church home, great. If you don't have a church home, we would love to welcome you here as our sister, as our brother. Maybe you need to cross that line of faith and put on Jesus in baptism. Nothing would bring this group more joy this morning than to witness your baptism in the name of Jesus and welcome you into the fellowship of the saints here on Preston Road. Maybe you need a prayer this morning. Come down and pray with me or Phil or just pray with one of the sisters or brothers around you today. Bring it before the Father because we care for each other. We pray for each other and this is a house of prayer But right now, let's do this. Let's stand together. Let's worship God together.
great day to be a Christian. It's good to have everyone here. We are blessed with a great fellowship. Just a couple of announcements before you leave. Uh, I want to encourage everyone to come tonight uh, for the great series we're having uh, on our Living Hope series. Jacob Hoff will be teaching. You know you're going to tape the game anyway so you don't have to watch the commercials. So come on. It'll be a great night. Also church, our Lord has commissioned us to spread the good news about his love and grace. And so we really want everyone to be a part of the Telling the Story conference. If you have not registered, uh, we'll wait until you do. Just right here. No, we, we won't. So, so many of you have registered, but don't forget to do that. That's an important part so we can make the plans uh, to do so. We have this morning Drew Simmons, who's going to read our take-home scripture for us. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You're dismissed. Excellent.